All right, good morning and welcome. You've got Dustin Atwood, A1 Custom Car Care, joined in studio with Miss Sarah. Good morning, how are you? Good morning, I'm well, how are you? Doing very well. I, you know, we do these philosophical shows from time to time, and just so everybody knows, that's what this one's going to be. But it is a very relevant show. I believe this affects everybody out there. Sarah, you are a shining example of successful millennials. Well, thank you. In the workplace. Thank you. I love the word successful. I know. <laughs> it, it, you know, I, I think everybody likes to be gloom and doom. Um, you know, I think that is a, a buzz kind of thing where everybody's always negative. And what I was kind of doing my research, um, and I, I looked at the Generation Y or Millennial, which is the same thing, basically. I didn't know that till I was doing my homework says that uh, self-entitled, selfish, lazy, addicted to their cell phones. That was like all the press that I found out about millennials. So how's that strike you? Well, I think I was probably that end gap of millennials where we didn't necessarily grow up on our phones. Yes, I got a phone when I was, I think, eighth grade, middle school, Mm -hmm. right about to go into high school. And that was kind of when I started hanging out with my friends, doing um, after school activities. I've talked quite a bit about living in the country. So a Rural cell living phone, is yeah. a real deal that there is a lot to be said about that. We've been talking about that off air. So it, it, growing up, not in the urban environment, I think also leads to that, you know, kind of self-reliance, I guess, if you will. Yep. Um, so let me ask you about your first phone. Was it a smartphone or was it the old school like flip phone? It was a flip phone. Yep. And it was followed by one of those phones uh, that you could turn on its side and flip up. Yeah, I had and one then of it those. had a keyboard yep. and then you could flip it back. Thought I was super cool. When yeah, I got that I, phone. same. <laughs> so as we talk and all the, I, I say haters about millennials, millennials says, and, and you. The date ranges vary from about 1980 to 95 is the range. I'm 1996, so I think I'd be considered Gen Z. Some of those 96 to now, it ranges. So some of those even ran millennials into 99. Okay. Um, And earlier, 77 was the earliest range that I saw millennials. So basically they said there's a three-year window as it transitions of how – what region you grew up in, of whether you would fall into that Generation Z or Generation Y in this case. And that goes back Generation X, Baby Boomers, um, Traditionalists, which I hadn't looked into. That's 73 and up are considered Traditionalists. They're pre-Baby Boomers. They would be the parents for the Baby Boomers. Okay, gotcha. I learned that. But the uh, something happened a couple years ago, and I didn't realize this either. Baby Boomers had been the bulk um, generation in the workforce until about, I think, three to five years ago, depending on how you look at it. And then the millennials stepped over and took on. So as you have become and got into the workforce, what's been your experience? Do you see your peers as successful people, people you went to high school with, kind of look back, see what they're doing? Uh, How do you you view uh, your folks in your circle? Um, I think it's probably half and half, but I feel like that's kind of with every generation, you know, you've got people that are really, really, um, doing well for themselves, really over the top. And typically in my situation, there's probably two or three that I look at from high school where I'm like, man, you are doing 
very well yes. for yourself. I'm very proud of you. And then there's like the typical people that are making it, not doing anything out of the ordinary. But, you know, they're once again doing well for themselves, mm -hmm. just not as exceptional as those other people. Sure. And then you have the people that are not doing well yeah. for themselves. That's kind of the the thing that I'm seeing with people that are kind of my age. Yeah. So as I very similar, and I think you're right when you talk about any generation, that's going to be the case. They're, they're going to be folks that are, you know, driven to succeed, folks that are just, you know, adequate with the nine to five, and they go and hopefully have hobbies. And, you know, if they want to fish or hunt or whatever it is, that's cool too. And then you've got folks that, you know, just pretty much uh, failure to launch. I don't know if maybe I'm dating myself on that movie a little bit, but they just really don't, you know, make anything and they're content with what's going on. And whatever floats your boat, there's zero judgment here. If that's what you want to do, that's awesome. But in my experience, um, and as I get older, I start dealing more with my peers being the shot callers and other industries. And when we have to hire somebody, you know, whether it's electrician, plumber, attorney, doctor, whatever it is, um, you know, instead of it being, you know, those baby boomer generations, it's not anymore. It's people, you know, that are, you know, say late 70s to mid 90s, give or take there, are the bulk of the people that we're all dealing with. And I know as us as a company, A1 Custom, that's what we're building our team around. And you've experienced some of that being in the shops, I'm sure. Um, we have definitely, for the most part, since I've been with the company, the baby boomers or we have long-term employees you know, I've got Troy that I was working with today, and I know you've met Troy over the years. He's been with us like 40 years. That's crazy. He is a great employee, he too. He is awesome. He's very, very upbeat, experience for decades at this point. I think it may be the only job he's ever had. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. His dad managed to shop for us on commercial. Mm -hmm. And when Troy, I think, got into being able to drive, he worked in our warehouse and was a delivery guy for parts. And then years and years later, he also managed that same shop that his dad managed after he had moved on and, you know, continued to be a huge part of our company has taught me many things over the years. Um, and when I started, I was the youngest, obviously. I was brand new, but everybody was in that baby boomer, the entire company, because we have such long-term staff. And as we have continued to, to be in business for, you know, since mid-80s, those folks have put in their time and retired. So now we've got young people. We've got Eddie, Christopher. You know, we're bringing those young folks into it, and the doors are opening very quickly for them to become, you know, uh, at the as far as tenure, very tenured within our company. And we want to invest and build that and start attracting that because that's the folks everybody is going to be dealing with. So when you talk about uh, – I think we talked about uh, you and, and Ryan looking at the house side of the world. Yes. Sounds like you had some good uh, news since we last did. show. We did. Yep. Update. We found a house. Super excited about yes. that. That's We're wonderful. very, very excited. And as you guys move through that, there's going to be folks you're going to need, whether it's service industry people, you know, roofers, HVAC folks, et cetera. You're going to be dealing with your peers at this point. They're going to be folks that, you know, graduated See, I graduated in 2003, so I'm dating myself a little bit. And then from that point forward, 
the baby boomers or the people that have been dominating the industry, they're not going to be there anymore. They're retiring and traveling, hopefully. I know a lot of people like to travel. Communication part of it, you've been here in the studio with me. I've done many communication classes or or shows, I guess. But it's so important in that art not to be lost with email and texting. Um, those are very important forms, but you can't just replace the in-person communication. And I find that as well. You know, um, the the baby boomer generation um, has been the leader and set the tone for everything. Um, previously, the traditionalist generation, as I spoke earlier, they were very much the respect your elders generation. And basically, you weren't to question them. And I experienced that with my grandparents. Um, great, amazing folks. But that was something they instilled in me was, look, hey, I'm your elder, etc. Let's follow the lead, you know, and, and thankfully, they're wonderful people. So you can trust them. I'm sure you had similar experiences. Yes, I was raised by baby boomers. Mm -hmm. So that communication barrier that you're talking about, yes. I am the type of person that I would much rather communicate face to face. Mm -hmm. So one, you can see um, my emotions, the way yes. that I am reacting, because oftentimes, whenever you reply to somebody in an email or a text message, um, people read that in a negative tone. There's been studies on that, actually, that most people, whenever they are reading something, um, it might come across as snarky or mm -hmm. mean or rude whenever it was just kind of a neutral um, tone. Well, and a lot of times, as well as, you know, your emotional state at the moment that you're reading that is yes. attached to mm -hmm. that. So if I'm in a good mood and you send me a message, hey, we got a show, 10 a.m., blah, 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 you know, I'm going to be like, great. If I'm in a bad mood, you know, I'm going to be like, you know, why is she reminding me? Doesn't she, you know, that I'm doing my job, you know, right. and, and, and I put this doubt in there. And I'm pretty much an optimistic person most of the time, which is, which is a good thing and a, and a blessing. Um, but you're exactly right. When you think about that, the emotion a lot of times is more honest than the words even. Right. You know, there's more um, pureness to how you set that up. You can look at eye contact. You can look at physical body posture. Um, you know, even how they're breathing, their eyes obviously tell a lot. And you lose all that. And the millennials, I think, because we grew up in that, the digital side of things, uh, we tried to replace some of that for a little while. And then the baby boomers, they didn't grow up in that. So that digital communication is a little bit of a learning curve, which I have to say, um, I think they've done a great job adapting for the most part as far as that generation embracing technology. And then we get into the Generation X, which would have been a lot of our parents. They were Generation X. And there's a whole – they kind of got, uh, I guess, ignored – but we need to step into a break. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about how this is going to affect all of us going forward. All right. Welcome back. You've got Dustin Atwood, A1 Custom Car Care, and Miss Sarah here in studio. We are talking about different generational gap or differences, I suppose. Would that be the right way to put it? I think so. So... I want to make sure that I make this point clear that it is not not one better or worse than the other. And if you bury your head in the sand and you don't identify some of the differences or at least awareness, I guess, if you will, 
just because I want to communicate in a manner doesn't mean the next person that I want to talk to is or wants to communicate in that same manner. So when we talk today about everything that we're talking about generational-wise, it's really to bring awareness to it. And my goal, hopefully as a human being and a person in general, is to be a great conversationalist. Do you think that's completely crazy? Yeah, and to go back to your point about Mm -hmm. communication, I think that regardless of what business you are in, if you are in a business, Mm -hmm. you need to be able to learn how to communicate with everybody. Absolutely. And the goal of being a good conversationalist is to communicate at the level or at the different uh, style of the person that you want to talk to. I think forever people, you know, I, let's say, you know, disc profile, you know, the, the D in the disc side of it is very direct. And so a lot of times folks want to communicate the way that they're wired. Some people are very detail oriented. Some people like a lot of story. Some people, you know, uh, want to be super direct and down to the point. They don't want a lot of dialogue. And you find out when you communicate with somebody that isn't that manner, it's very frustrating. And I've learned as being a service advisor uh, at this point, operations manager for A1 Custom Car Care, the goal of having a conversation is for somebody to see your point your way. Does that make any sense? Yes. And if I communicate the way I want, I'm going to have a certain percentage of the time where people see it in my my viewpoint or, or, you know, from my side. But if I can identify the person that I'm visiting with and figure out very quickly due to awareness, due to whether it's generational uh, differences, whether it's personality differences, that's something that we do as a company is to identify the other person's personality, hopefully very quickly. I can figure out how to communicate in the way or in the manner that they want to be communicated with. So, for instance, do you know anybody in your life, Miss Sarah, that only likes like the 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 facts or the bottom line? If I'm going through an invoice with you, they only like to know what the bottom line area. Do you know anybody that is like that? I am kind of like that, okay. actually. I am like, for instance, if I was going to go to the shop mm-hmm. and you were going to tell me about everything that was potentially wrong with my vehicle. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to understand what you're saying to me, but I just want like, this is what you need to worry about right now. Mm-hmm. And everything else is good. Absolutely. Now, same token, let's kind of flip that as the, the, uh, the opposite, if you will. I'm sure you know somebody in your circle that would take that invoice and we would go line by line. <laughs> yes. And they want to know the detail on every side of it. So ideally as a company, part of our continuing education, and I say as a company, obviously this is about, and I'm stretching the show a little bit this time, about automotive repair, but this is about life in the, in the big scheme of things. If I can identify your personality or you know, how you want to be communicated with very quickly, then I know that I don't need to gloss over all those line by line by line because I'm the bottom line guy. I want to know how much it is right now, and that's how I'm going to make my decision regardless of everything else. That's, that's what goes on in my head. But if I do that with a very detail-oriented person, they, they get all like, 
you know, stressed out. Yeah. And they're like, what about this, yeah, this, this, and this? Yeah, there's, there's three pages of stuff here. What's all this about? And then, you know, for you, you're going to want the highlights. Hey, this is what's going on. These are your issues. This is what I can do about it right now. And this is what we're going to do later down the road. Mm-hmm. The quicker I can identify that, whether it's a business transaction, whether you're in sales, whether you're, you know, in service, we're in a service industry, obviously. Um, however you communicate, even internal in a, in a uh, business setting such as the radio station here. The quicker I can identify that, um, and then other people aren't going to make the decision off that, and they don't care about that at all. They want to develop enough rapport and a relationship and, and know how your life's going, how your dog's doing. They want to tell you about their dog. And then at the end of it, you know, hey, what can you do about whatever X, Y, Z this is? That's so important. And the better as a person I get at it, as a company we get at it, the better the experience is. And that's really what we're talking about today. So whether you're a traditionalist, baby boomer, generation X, Y, or Z, an awareness of some of the traits that go along with that is kind of that magic key, if you will, that unlocks a lot of what's going on with that. So do you deal with uh, many people that would be consideration? I guess you were borderline Generation Z, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. So they viewed that like, you know, like my kids are Generation Z as well. They almost have a faith in more of a digital communication. They like the interface as far as people. Um, but their communication style is more that I send you an email or a digital vehicle inspection. How do you feel? And I know we've sent you some digital vehicle inspections over the years, and we have talked about it. How do you perceive that as a digital and not necessarily a communication like we're doing today? Um, I enjoy the digital inspections. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've mentioned before, I'm not very car savvy. And so the reason why I do enjoy those digital inspections is it's something that I can show to my husband Mm -hmm. or even some of my other friends that are car savvy and they can kind of break it down. Um, And even if I go into the shop after I get that and I ask you or anybody else that happens to be there, they can then be like, oh, okay, so this is what this picture Mm -hmm. is. I do like that. However, even though I work in an industry where it is mostly technology, I am not much of a tech person. I don't have to go out and get the new latest phone. Mm -hmm. I don't have tons of technology Whenever it comes to like video games or TVs yeah. or just anything that's digital, I'm that's not necessarily my forte. And I once again, I think that goes back to a generational thing mm-hmm. is because I grew up in that time frame where cell phones were just starting to get popular. Yep. The Internet was just starting to get popular um, to date myself. Um MySpace had just become a thing. <laughs> MySpace. Um, and is that still open and running, do you know? I believe it is. I think Justin Timberlake actually bought it. I did not know that. And it's not a um, like a social media platform anymore. I think it's for musicians now. I'll be darned. Yeah, so that was first becoming a thing. My first friend on there was Tom. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and instant messaging had just become a thing. That is kind of the area that I was growing up. And that really happened 
when I was probably in eighth grade. I don't know how old you are in eighth grade. Probably like 12. 12. Yeah. yeah. That's where I'm at. So I had 12 years previous of basically no technology. We had dial-up internet. We had a landline phone. I'm not too terribly far removed sure. from all of that tech stuff. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how much it influences our daily lives, though. Yes. At this point. So, like, say the internet goes out at work. It pretty much halts everything that we got going on. I mean, yes, we can still do repair work, but a lot of our uh, service information, repair information, um, part lookup is all internet-based. And I'm sure you guys have that here, too. If the internet dumps down, you're probably, I don't know, can you run without the internet here in the studio? Yeah, we can. But a big portion of my job as a producer Mm -hmm. would be affected. Oh, yeah, I bet. I wouldn't be able to update the website, update our social media, things like that. Sure. it, And I'm sure everybody else is in a similar boat. I mean, they're... It is streamlined. I mean, there's been a lot of positives to it. I can imagine back in the day when it was reel-to-reel recording and, you know, there was probably a warehouse of old recordings back there versus now on a little bitty thumb drive. I mean, you can fit an amazing amount of stuff. So kind of being aware of how to utilize that and keep up with the times. You know, I guarantee as a company had, you know, the the station not kept up with the times, they would have went out of business. You're either moving forward and progressing with technology and embracing it, and nobody likes change. Oh, we've done it this way for 47 years. Who, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, the bottom line is you've got to have a little bit of open mindedness in order to continue to stay successful. Because I guarantee, no matter what business you're in, if you do not keep up with the Joneses, if you will, or continue changing and evolving, you will be going out of business very slowly, and eventually you're into another business because you couldn't hack it. We are at the bottom of the hour. We will take a break. We're going to continue our communication class after this. Welcome back. You've got Dustin Atwood and Miss Sarah in here, A1 Custom Car Care. We're stretching the automotive discussion a little bit today. This is a philosophical But I I continue to bring up communication because I find that to be the make or break, whether it's in my professional life or my personal life. And the better I get at communication, the better uh, I think my experience is and whoever I'm working with. So on a scale of 1 to 10, and I'm putting you on the spot, Sarah, what would you consider my ability to carry a conversation? Well, I think that it's like 10 plus. You think? Well, yes, because... You're not just saying that. No, no, no. Well, one, you have a radio show, so... Hopefully I'm decent. Fair to middle. I would would say so. So you do have to be able to communicate to the listeners something (laughs) that you want to share. So you have to be able to understand how to communicate. Being on radio is not as easy as people might think that it is. We um, just did an interview earlier this week, somebody that was very nervous and they were the type of person that as soon as you put a microphone in front of them, (laughs) they froze. But during breaks, they were so talkative. Yes. I have experienced that (laughs) here in this studio. We have brought folks in and they're amazing communicators. Mm Mm-hmm. And like you're leading the conversation and interviewing them and bringing them along with the deal. And they're just giving you like those one word answers. Yes. It's kind no. of a uh, form of public speaking almost. I guess so. Because if you think about it, like me and you are communicating to one another. We're having a conversation yes. with ourselves, but we're also communicating with 
you know, 5,000 other people that sure. are going to be listening to the podcast or listening to us live on air. Mm-hmm. And whenever you think about it in that aspect, that can be kind of nerve wracking because yeah. you're not just talking to one person. You're talking to a multitude of people. And a lot of different personalities yes. and perspectives and trying to appeal at least to the masses, if you will. I'm sure there's a certain percentage that no matter what we say, they're going to be like, oh, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. And I get that. That's cool. Everybody's got an opinion. I enjoy hearing it, even if it's different from mine. That affects me and in no manner um, when somebody has a differing opinion, other than, you know, maybe you'll provoke some thought up here. Um, but as far as the public speaking part of it, you're exactly right. And even the communication, some people are great one-on-one, but even in a small group, they like clam up and they don't want to talk. I have to thank uh, Mrs. Rollman from Marionville High School. Uh, she was my drama teacher. I'm going to get on and tell you a little story. We had to uh, recite or memorize a book, and mine was Nate the Great. It was a children's book. And then so we performed it for the class in drama. And then we went down to the old folks. There's an old folks uh, home, uh, the manor in Marionville. And uh, we had to perform it for the, the, the people that wanted to come. So oh, that's cool. It was really, really cool. And they enjoyed it a lot. I, can, I was probably 15 or 16 when I did this. And so that was my, um, I guess, schooling of public speaking. And so I made voices for each one of the characters. And so I, I got an A, a or A-plus in that class. So, Mrs. Rollman, thank you. I appreciate you very much from Marionville. Uh, she had been a mainstay out there forever. So you have a formal education in uh, radio, I guess. Give me, Tell me a little bit about that. Did they do any communication classes for you there? Yeah, so I took broadcast communication at Drury, mm-hmm. and then I took – electronic media production at OTC. Nice. Yep. So it was kind of two different types of education that I took. Drury was more set down um, study and OTC was more hands-on. We're going to throw you into it and you're going to figure it out. Sink or swim kind of situation. Wow, that's awesome. That's how I learned. So that was fantastic for me. But yes, we learned uh, communication classes. We learned how to keep, you know, the conversation going. Oh, okay. So you don't have dead air. Yeah. <laughs> we learned about uh, cor- like correcting your catchphrases almost. I, oh, yeah? I, I can't remember what they call them, but words that you hold on to. So things like, um, oh, uh, or things like, so oh, mine, mine is filler oh, words. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's exactly. That's it. So mine is so <laughs> and okay. And every once in a while it's okay. So aha. So you'll blend them together. Yeah. So you are using your degree, and that was one of the things when you looked at the generations. Um, You know, I think the biggest thing, a lot of your baby boomers, they were not college graduates. So the Generation X, like that was the thing, is to go to college. And even, you know, as I came through, which would be Generation Y, a lot of my peers, um, college was their path. But I find a lot of them not using their degree. What do you think about that? You're one of probably the very few that I know that actually use their schooling and their degree and, and the a lot of times student debt that goes along with that. That's a big burden to have to deal with. Give me your perspective on that if you don't care. So <laughs> <laughs> I am kind of an advocate for schooling up to a certain 
point, and here is what I mean by that. Okay. I really enjoyed my experience at OTC. I think that trade schools are incredibly important. I think that college education has been something that has been pushed. Yes. And oftentimes people feel like they have to go to college to be successful. And that's not entirely true. You don't have to get a four-year education to be successful in life. You don't have to get a college education in a degree that you may or may not use. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to get a college education for something that you're not going to use, but you're going to spend thousands of dollars in student loan debts. Yes. And you have nothing to show for it. So I am back to what I said. Um, I am an advocate for trade schools. Mm -hmm. I think that they are absolutely fantastic. I'm also an advocate for opportunities. The whole reason that I am in my field of study Mm -hmm. is because I knew that media was a hobby for me. Okay. I knew that it was something that I really enjoyed. And I thought, yes. And so I thought, is there a way that I can create something out of this hobby Mm -hmm. for me? At my school, we had something that was called the Votech program. I'm a product of our Votech problem out of Monet, so I'm very familiar with that. For those who don't know what Votech is, that's where you go to high school, part-time, college, another part. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm also a person that used a plus program, which is where so you cool. where you get uh, good grades and mm-hmm. they give Attendance. you yeah yeah and they give you money to go to a trade school. Or I think you can use it for any school, um, but it's like X amount of money. Right. I think it's most optimized at a trade school, if I remember right. Like you get the most bang for that buck. So when I was um, in high school, I really wanted to do the media thing. I was one of those very few people that knew exactly what I wanted to do right out of the gate. That's okay if you don't know. But for me... When I went and toured OTC and I saw that they had a media program, I thought, this is a really good opportunity to see if this is worth it. Absolutely. Is this something that I can make a career out of? Is this something that I'm going to love as a thing that I can do, you know, five days a week? Is this something that I can make money in and also enjoy? Yes. And I think that is so very important for people. Find something that you enjoy because whenever you work – you spend, I mean, I can't even remember how many hours it fills up to, but no. you spend half of your life at work. Oh, yeah. You need to at least find something that you love mm-hmm. as well as something that you're good at and you enjoy. Absolutely. So, yeah, I was very fortunate to find OTC and I was very fortunate to find their media classes. And that really helped me. I was 17 years old when I first started working in radio mm-hmm. and I've been doing it ever since, so it's been like seven years at this point. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. It's so nice to deal with somebody, and that's one of my biggest things, especially with KSGF here, is everybody, this is their chosen profession that I interact with here at the studio. And it's such a different experience when you deal with somebody or interact with somebody in a chosen profession. This is, I would never consider this your daily grind. No. I don't ever get that perception from you, from Nick, from Katie, any of you guys. This is not like, oh, I got seven more hours left in my day. I got to work, blah, blah, blah. You guys are excited about what you do. And that 
is the magic behind this place as far as I'm concerned. As far as, you know, our internal company, I share that a lot with all you guys that, you know, A1 Custom Car Care, we choose to work with each other, essentially, in the automotive industry. We're industry people. And the sooner that you can embrace that or the sooner you realize that what you're doing is not what you love, right now, today, there is more opportunity out there for you to shift gears and do something you love versus any other time in history, in my opinion, and make a good living doing it. That is so huge. The reason to tie this all together, that this matters to any of you out there, is whenever you need a service or an interaction, say I need to go to the doctor. Well, I want a doctor and a nursing staff that want to be doctors and nurses because I've had doctors and nurses that don't want to do it they have a seven-year degree or whatever, and they hate what they're doing. Or they're under so much debt that they have to slave away at 70, 80 hours a week to have a decent life and pay off their student debt. So, Sarah, KSGF, I hear a lot of times with a endorsement, I guess, or an awareness campaign right now about the trades. You've been a big part of that. I have, and we'll have to talk about that after the break. Fantastic. You and I will be right back. Welcome back. We've got just a little bit of time. Sarah, talk to me about the the light shedding that KSGF is trying to put on the trades. We have a program that's going on right now. It's called Framing the Future. And what that is suggesting is a lot of times the younger generations, my generation and below, mm-hmm. They have been told, hey, go get a four-year degree. You have to have it to become successful. And that is not necessarily true. There's still a lot of jobs where they will train you on the spot. Sometimes they will pay for your training. Sometimes they will have classes that you can take. And then, of course, there are things like trade schools where you can get a two-year degree for a lot less money in student loans. And that can be your jumping off point to find a job that you love. Um, So we're just trying to really remind people, like, these are also options. And there's nothing wrong with going to a four-year school, but these are the other options that you have just to remind people it's it's not the only path that you have to take. Well, and it so the trades are not for everybody. Yes. Not everybody is going to be a tradesman, tradeswoman, whatever you want to call it. Not everybody's going to be that four-year, seven-year degree, master, professional student, essentially, for a decade. And, you know, you shouldn't try and pigeonhole everybody into one box. You know, I've heard in the political climate, you know, here recently, you know, uh, the the college education is a, is a, I forgot even what they called it, but like a, a right. You know, everybody has the right to a college education. Well, it's not meant for everybody. You know, not everybody is going to want to devote that much time to being a professional student. For me, as a prime example, um, I would say I was an okay student. Um, I probably graduated in the middle of my class. But my vocational school, I was at the top of my class because it's what I wanted to do. I got the absolute highest um, accolades, if you will, um, as I walked across my 
vocational graduation and my high school graduation, you know, like I said, I was in the middle of my class. And I don't think that's a bad thing at all. If you have a two or a four year degree in something that you love to do, you're going to be successful at it. If you went just to go, you are going to really have to find yourself. And a lot of times you find yourself under a super big load of debt. That is how my husband is. He was one of those that he was going just to go. Mm -hmm. He went for like business administration. And I, when he told me that, I was like, that is not you at all because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I know you. Sure. And he ended up dropping out. And luckily, he didn't have too much student loan debt. Mm -hmm. But that was something that he had to to worry about after that. Yeah. But, you know, back to your point, it wasn't a fit for him. That that was not the environment that he needed to be in. But, you know, um, he is really happy in the position that he is in. He is in a trade position. Mm -hmm. And he, he loves it. That's awesome. I have and know we do a lot of fleet service. My, a lot of my family are in HVAC and plumbing and that kind of stuff. Man, they're killing it as far as the money why money side of things. They love what they do. And because of the time that we are in right now, as the baby boomers are retiring, their tenure or their seniority is moving up very quickly within companies. Because no different than A1 Custom Car Care, you know, we've had 30, 40 plus year employees since I've been with the company. I've been there almost 20 years now. I'm not all that old, by the way, but I have chosen to continue to work at the same place because of the culture that we have. And culture is a big deal. You guys have a great culture here, by the way. We do. You guys set the culture and try and take care of the culture and take care of each other as I look around here at the studio you know, they, you know, you guys decorated to benefit, you know, somebody's birthday today. That's super cool. And that's more than just a paycheck. And as you continue to have a good culture, choose to come to work for the right reasons, you start to attract some amazing folks that want to be a part of that. So we have been um, a part and endorsed with KSGF and Nick for, I'd have to look up probably like eight or 10 years now. And he attracted that because of his love for what it is he does. And, you know, as we sat down and got to know the radio station more, and then you came on board, that just bolstered that. And that success attracts success, if you will. Not no different. The same applies as if you're a bum. Bums attracts bums. You know, if you're a drug dealer, you attract drug people. So the fact that you guys set the bar and choose to continue to set the bar high is awesome. And you look at any company, any business, any person in general, you look at their closest peers, they are a reflection of themselves. And I cannot stress that enough. And continuing to build a better version of yourself, not to be like motivational speaker here, but to continue and build a better version of yourself and evolve with the changing in times is so important. I'm a much better technician today than I was when I got out of trade school, hands down. Miss Sarah, as I've watched you grow as a producer and a uh, you know foundation in KSGF, it's been awesome. Well, thank you. I sincerely mean that. You have taken the bar of this role to a whole nother level. And when I talked about doing a generational show 
you know, that was a prime example. I've got great friends at other automotive repair shops that are millennials and they're doing it at a very high level. Um, there's many industry people and I guarantee you interact with a lot of them as well that are the younger generation that's getting the hate, if you will. You know, one of the, the posts I read this morning about millennials is that they're ruining, you know, the workforce and it's just surely not true. Yeah. A lot of my friends who do fall under that millennial category, a lot of them are in jobs that they absolutely love. They work their tails off. Yes. They are successful in that position and they're proud of what they do. I have a friend that is a a welder, so he Mm -hmm. falls in that trade category too. Um, And he just gets so excited when he talks about his work. That is what he loves to do. And he loves the fact that he has a product that he can show for it. And um, I I know that when I come home from work, and I'm sure that you probably do this in the uh, automotive industry as well, but every once in a while, if I will create a good commercial Mm -hmm. or if I say something funny on air or, you know, we say something that I think other people should hear, I show it to my friends and my family. Sure. And um, I'm sure you probably do that in the oh, automotive yeah. industry, too. Like, you worked on something that was really cool. You did something that you didn't think that you would ever do yeah. or a vehicle that you thought that you would never work on. Um, and I'm sure that you take photos and oh, you yeah. show that off to your friends and Absolutely. probably other people in the, yes. the industry. Yeah. As I drive through town, like, I'll drive. I'll like, I worked on that car. I did exhaust on yeah, that. Yeah, and you're proud. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I did that. We did that, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Lots of pride. I will say, and I, I I don't know if we've got much time left, but I'd like your take on, um, I think millennials are a lot less tolerant to work and do things that don't fulfill them. Would you say that's accurate? Um, Yeah, a little bit. I think so. So I know you had a negative experience at one point in time in radio, and I don't want to get into the details of that too much, but I can see your tolerance to deal with a bad work environment is very low. That's not something that you will tolerate. I, yeah, that's, that's the whole reason why I found myself at KSGF was because I wanted a really great work environment. People who had the same level of care and respect and love for what we did. I wanted to be surrounded by that and I am surrounded by that. And that's what makes me so happy here is because if something, if, if I'm stressed out or something is wrong, I can communicate that to my other coworkers and we'll fix the problem. It, life's too short to be miserable yep. where you work. And I think the millennial generation, you know, is much less tolerant to poisonous environments. So as, you know, I came up through the industry at one point in time, I worked at a shop with a manager who was very poisonous. And I found myself, and I can remember the moment that this happened, that I decided that if I ever got to the point where hopefully I had a little or maybe even a lot of influence on the environment of the company, of whatever it is I was doing or wherever I was at, I wanted to do my very best to live up to a great environment. There's no sense for me to ever continue working somewhere that I hate working. The opportunities are out there. So... My chosen profession is the automotive field. I make no bones about it. Anybody that knows me, a lot of times, if there's a lull in the conversation, somehow I twist it back into talking about cars. It just is. It. I don't know why, and I don't even really care because it's 
You know, it's what makes me tick, which is a good benefit for a lot of you out there. <laughs> because <laughs> when you bring me your, your issues or your problems, um, even if it's not me doing the service personally, because of the focus of our company, everybody that touches the cars loves it and feels about it just the way I do. And I'm so thankful to be surrounded by so many folks that have it at that uber high level and to experience other industries or other services that are in that same mindset. Uh, being around like-minded people is awesome. So Miss Sarah, I've really enjoyed this show. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. Yes, you as well. And everybody else out there, we'll see you next week from 10 to 11.